your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Flames. Today we tackle Jeff Ward's future in Calgary, compare the Flames to playoff teams still alive, and more. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Doing good. Life is boring now. Slowly <laughs> adjusting. I was watching Lakers playoff basketball. Like Ooh. the Flames are out, and now we're now we're finding things to watch. So yeah, it's. It's something I, I, you know, I watch these NHL playoffs right now, round two, and the teams that are alive, and I don't think the Flames would have beaten any team that no. in round two. So, I mean, I guess they they kind of got what's coming to them. But uh, yeah, today we we finally we talked a lot about Jeff Ward in the past, and we just keep saying we'll we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. So I think later has finally arrived, and I think it's time you and I have the Jeff Ward conversation. Uh, Jess, I guess we'll start it off with you. Yeah. Very simply, would you rather have Jeff Ward stay as the Flames coach next year, or would you rather have him leave and or be the assistant coach next year? You know, I think I'm going to say that he goes as the head coach, but returns to his position as assistant coach. I wonder if that's ever happened before. Yeah. I need to do research on that. I can't remember that ever happening before. And that would be kind of a, a weird and awkward scenario. It's almost like you, you're dating a girl and then the girl <laughs> says, eh, this guy's better, but you can stay around if you'd like. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean. It'd be, it'd be weird for Ward, I guess, to go through that. Not necessarily very encouraging, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, oh God. I just feel like there are other options out there. You're right. That. Yeah could potentially be better but also I mean I think that Jeff Ward did a fantastic job yeah so Ward had a interesting playoffs like he was the team was playing they beat the Jets pretty quickly and so the team was playing well and then they beat the Stars and so things were looking good then as well and then they really hit the skids and Jeff Ward made that good change of taking Lindholm off the first line, bumping up Reader in the lineup. Like he was managing a Kachuk injury pretty well and trying to spark some change, which is, you know, you kind of have to give credit for a coach to do that because, you know, we've seen situations where coaches don't do anything. And instead of changing anything, they just sit there and keep trying the same thing. And that's like a thousand times more frustrating than having change not work. So, I mean, Ward was having, I think, a, a, a decent playoffs right up until game six when obviously the goalie change happens and that kind of tanks all the momentum, I guess that he would have had as a coach uh, going into the off season and, and trying to get that interim tag taken off. I'm not sure about Jeff Ward. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to think of it in the philosophy that the flames have when hiring a coach. Like mm -hmm. we look back a few coaches ago and they went with Glenn Gullitson and Glenn Gullitson was a very like player friendly, I guess, would be a good way to describe a coach. Like he wasn't a guy who was going to be, you know, super bossy with the players, but um, more of a player friendly guy. And then, they're, okay, well that doesn't work. Let's go the complete opposite. And they went to Bill Peters who would be, you know, kind of more that hard ass type and, you know, really on top of the players, kind of, you know, simply put like just kind of the guy who, who's not afraid to scream at the players. Um, and then that ended for, you know, circumstances 
which are kind of not hockey related, I guess, like not on ice related, mm-hmm. at least in the, in the capsule of this season. Um, so there you go. You've had Gullitson, the player, like the players coach that doesn't work. Bill Peters, it doesn't work, but um, I think we learned a lot from, from Peters' time in Calgary. And then um, Jeff Ward takes over and he has a winning record and has a decent playoffs. Um, and I think Ward is somewhere in the middle of that player friendly coach and that Bill Peters hard ass type coach. Um, now, as you mentioned, there's a lot of available options for the Flames if they wanted to go somewhere other than Ward. Um, there's Bruce Boudreau and Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviolette and Mike Babcock. Like those are four available coaches who have four amazing resumes. So, um, in terms of the philosophy, I think three out of those four would kind of be closer to a, a Bill Peters type hard ass mm-hmm. coach. Uh, Babcock for sure, Boudreau, uh, and then Laviolette. For me, my personal opinion, I think Jeff Ward is going to be the head coach of the Flames unless Calgary is able to make a run at Gerard Gallant. Like, yeah, that, that's my kind of opinion. I, I kind of don't see any better option um, for Calgary. Like, I don't, I don't think someone like Babcock or Boudreaux no. would necessarily work with this Flames group. Um, and then Laviolette is is kind of a little bit more in the gray area compared to Babcock and Boudreaux. So, my personal opinion, I think Ward. He did enough for him to stay, in my opinion. Um, but obviously things didn't end well at all. And there's a big kind of tarnish on on his playoffs. Um, so I would like to see if they could get Gerard Gallant. I would love to see that. Um, I think that would be a, a nice fit for team and, and coach. Um, but it's interesting. You don't always get what you want. So when it comes Absolutely. to the coaching market, someone might throw more money at him, which, which is totally <laughs> likely. So if Jeff Ward stayed, I don't think I would necessarily be super upset about it. Definitely. I think like he is a really good fit for this team. And I feel like if you throw somebody like Mike Babcock onto this team, it's going to throw off the chemistry and the locker room energy. I mean, we saw everything that happened and that came out, um, you know, with the whole Mitch Marner um, having mm-hmm. to create a list thing about which players were doing the best or whatever. Like, I just, I feel like that's so, we, no team needs that kind of energy near them. Right. Yeah. Babcock, it's, Babcock specifically is an interesting one. Um, I think he will be back in the NHL. I just don't know mm-hmm. if it'll be this season, like even this, this upcoming season, whenever it starts in January, even that might be a little bit too soon or the, the, the heat still might be a little bit on him. Um, but, you know, I, I think he, he might come, he will come back eventually, but I just don't know how quickly it would be. And obviously I don't think it would work very well with the flames when I'm kind of like thinking, when I say someone like Gerard Gallant would be an amazing fit with the flames, you know, I kind of assume that's with the team that they have now, like a lot of the core pieces um, haven't really changed. That's why I say Gallant would be a good fit. If Calgary is obviously going to blow up the core, which is definitely an option right now, um, and there's a lot of work for tree living to do. Like, does that change how you feel about this coaching conversation? Like, let's say someone like a couple big pieces get moved out. Maybe there's a Goudreau that gets moved out or a Backlund and a Monaghan. Like if there's big change uh, on the roster, does that mean there needs to be change behind the bench? Um, or if maybe it's the opposite where nothing really changes, no one really gets traded. Uh, does that push you towards keeping Ward? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is does roster change result in coaching change or does doing nothing with the roster result in doing nothing with the coach? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really fair question to pose. Um, 
I say you don't have to switch anything behind the bench regardless of, um, you know, pieces moving because, you know, obviously if you're making trades or signing new players, like it's to better the team and you want to see the coach, you know, work with those pieces. You can't just be swapping coaches in and out every time, you know, there's change. Mm-hmm. You know, Brad Tree Living, like he was one of the many Flames employees to do media availabilities yesterday. And he, he was, he sounded super aware of the fact that he's made a bunch of coaching changes mm-hmm. in his not short time, but like he's made a lot of change behind the bench for the amount of time that he's been in Calgary. Um, so he's definitely aware of that, that fact. And um, he addressed it pretty openly yesterday. And he was also talking a lot in regard to the coaching conversation about just kind of wanting to have like a sense of normalcy for the players. Like they've been through a lot of change um, with coaches and some of it was forced by their play and some of it was forced by circumstances out of their control. Uh, Regardless, they've gone, this core that's been here a long time has gone through a lot of coaches. And so tree living was kind of just acknowledging how much it would be nice to have some sense of, uh, consistency behind the bench which would obviously hint towards Jeff Ward staying um, but it's it's going to be a, a big decision um, for Tree Living to make and I'm not sure what comes first between making roster changes or making the coaching change right like you know obviously you'd like to make the roster changes first and then hire a coach based on that team that you've assembled um, but I think this might be a little bit of a different scenario where you kind of have Ward on the back burner as the interim guy. Um, like, the, do they make the decision on Ward before they make the decision on players? Or um, how does all that transpire? So it's just one of many things to do on Tree Living's to-do list. Yes, and that's a pretty long list this offseason. <laughs> but still to come, there are plenty of teams alive in the NHL playoffs So what's the one ingredient they have that the Flames don't? We'll explain. But first, let us tell you about Rock Auto. Jess, rockauto.com is amazing. And we've been talking a lot about um, this trend of online delivery. Well, now that online delivery bubble has jumped over to auto parts and car parts. And, you know, car parts are a finicky thing to, to kind of find and purchase. You think like, building a hockey team might be finicky. Um, I've had experience of having to buy one specific part for a brake on a pickup truck. And I had to go to a big box store. I'm not even kidding you three different times just to get this one part. We kept purchasing uh, the wrong part and it wasn't necessarily our fault as stupid customers. We were probably getting some poor advice, but rockauto.com. It's an amazing um, online shopping center for all your auto parts needs. And if the best part is it doesn't matter. Like we had, you know, a pretty generic pickup truck, but you could have some sort of crazy make or model of a vehicle and it doesn't matter. matter. Rockauto.com. They'll have the hookup for you. Uh, they have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, to tail lamps, to motor oil, and now even some new carpet, uh, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Like I've mentioned, Uh, you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications that you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com 
They are always giving you the best prices and they are always reliably low. You're saving so much money compared to going to those big box stores. And the best part is, unlike some of those big box stores, you'll get the great deal no matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional mechanic. You know, sometimes at the stores, it's the mechanic who gets the deal and they kind of leave the uh, DIY guy uh, hanging when it comes to getting the good deal. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you. That is locked on, two words. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com. Now, just one more read here to get to, and it's a little bit more awkward because, you know, we're talking about erectile dysfunction, not necessarily an easy conversation. Uh, you know, maybe Brad Tree Living is going to have a not necessarily easy conversation with Jeff Ward, um, but still, that's just a job, right? It's not as awkward as, as something like erectile dysfunction, but that is where Roman comes into play because from the comfort of your own couch and from the privacy of your own home, uh, you can get all your problems fixed using Roman. Uh, Roman is super easy. They make it nice and easy to talk about. You get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work, will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If med medication is appropriate, then Roman ships it to your house with free two-day shipping. The whole process, straightforward, nice and simple, and nice and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If you are approved, you'll then get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That is GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL.com. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Locked on Flames continues. Don't forget to follow Sean and I on Twitter. I'm at Jessica Belmosto and Sean is Sean underscore Lavery. So I don't know if you have been watching, you know, the Western Conference teams now that the Flames are out, but that Dallas and Colorado series is something. It's amazing. I can't believe, like, I had the Avs pegged as my, you know, cup contender mm -hmm. um, going into this second round. And the fact that Dallas is up 2-0 is, is quite something. I thought Dallas would have a bunch of, you know, getting over Calgary wasn't necessarily the hardest thing in the world for them. Um, so I thought they'd kind of coast into this avalanche series and kind of be woken up by uh, this amazing monster that's Nathan McKinnon. And, and just, you know, Dallas would kind of be stalled by how good he is. Uh, but Dallas is up two nothing, um, and it's quite the shock. And yesterday, you know, some of the Flames were kind of being asked about what, like, if the Flames are watching these playoff series like we are, are they noticing some different things that, you know, maybe Dallas or Colorado or Vegas has that Calgary doesn't? Um, and Jess, I thought there was some interesting answers. We'll, we'll start with the captain, Mark Giordano. I'll just read you his quote. He says, I just look at the teams in the West. Most of them have a good mix of skill and size and grit. I think it all comes into play. A team like Vegas, a team like Dallas, they have a good mix of everything. The thing that stick out are skill, but size and grit too. Uh, that's the end of that quote. When I read that, Jess, I don't know about you, but like, remember yesterday we, we were kind of like so annoyed about all this talk that the Flames are doing. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more of that just because I look at the Flames roster and they have the size with, you know, Milan Lucic and sometimes Zach Ronaldo, which we don't like to see, but, you know, it's there. Uh, but still, like Lucic is a big guy. Giordano himself is a big guy. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, Sam Bennett knocks around the body like no one else, as we've clearly seen. So they have the size and that grit factor. And then they have the skill of Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan and Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund. You know, sometimes it just doesn't show up. So 
you know, reading that Giordano quote where he's just kind of talking about how the teams are built, it was frustrating for me because I think Calgary is on that philosophy, but unlike Dallas or, or Vegas or anyone else, they just can't put it together on the ice. Yeah, like they definitely have all those pieces, but for whatever reason, it's just like they can't, like you said, make it come alive and win a series. So maybe Milan Lucic kind of explains a bit of the why they can't put it on the ice. Uh, I thought this quote was you know, quite interesting. Uh, this is what Lucic had to say. I think we went from a team that walked into the rink looking forward to getting goals and assists, but we changed our mindset. We were walking to the rink valuing wins and losses and wanting to get the wins more than anything. That's the difference between the eight teams that are still going on and the teams that are out. Uh, they value wins and losses more than anything else. I mean, that kind of, that, that was like a, when we were so mad after the Flames game six lost to the Stars and we were talking about how the Flames don't really, you know, Matthew Kachuk wanted to win more as a guy who was injured mm-hmm. in the press box than the players on the ice. You know, I think that Lucic quote takes us behind the curtain and just a little peek as to, you know, what the Flames mindset might have been um, when they were struggling, not just in the playoffs, but, you know, kind of in the regular season as well. Definitely. And I just, I think that, I don't it's just so frustrating because again it's more talk and more words and unfortunately it was never actions right and I feel like Lucic you know it's interesting because Lucic was part of that third line that was the Flames best line through the playoffs Mm -hmm. and for much of the playoffs Lucic was you know one of the best players on one of the best lines right so I think Lucic is totally fair to say something like this, you know, because A, he he was one of the guys backing it up on the ice, but then also B, he is the only guy that does have that Stanley Cup experience, which we talked about plenty, right? So I wonder how hard would it be for someone like Lucic, you know, he says, you know, maybe we were valuing goals and assists more than wins and losses. Like how hard would it be for a guy? And it's, it's, he's been here a whole year, right? So like you think it would happen by now, but wouldn't Lucic kind of step up and, and, you know, maybe not him specifically, but like there has to be a way where Lucic can shift the mindset of the team and, and yeah. get it focused more on wins and losses than those goals and assists, right? Like how hard would that be to do? I mean, I don't know. I think like we, everybody has somebody that they look up to in like whatever field they're in, I guess. And if I was a guy in the locker room, obviously a guy who won the Stanley Cup is somebody that is – you know, worth looking up to. So if he, you know, gave a pregame speech or whatever in the hotel lobby, the locker room, whatever, wherever they are, and just kind of said, hey, like, get your act together. It's time. We need to focus on what's important here. This isn't about making, you know, NHL Network highlight reels or anything like that. Like, we're here to win. You think that they'd have a little respect. Right. And, you know, I'm sure they do. And I'm sure, you know, that might have happened for all we know that like something, a very similar conversation might have happened. And that's totally possible. It is, it is frustrating to me because, you know, the fact that Lucic had the, we talked about the Lucic experience before and, you know, you can talk about experience and it's nice, but like for the first time we actually had Lucic not only bringing experience, but like actually contributing in a positive way for much of the playoffs. And I also look at someone like Giordano and, even though he doesn't have the resume that Lucic has, I, th- I still think he would be a fantastic leader and, and kind of Absolutely. someone he's like Giordano is so more focused on wins than anything else. Right. Like he's, he's that kind of captain and that kind of guy. So 
it's frustrating that the Flames have that leadership pieces in place, it seems. Uh, but I guess it's just not being grasped. Or maybe it's not being grasped by the right people, right? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like if you're a professional athlete, you worked your entire life to get there and then you don't, you don't care. <laughs> it, it's very frustrating. And I'm sure that they're, I, I just, I don't know. I can't even like try to wrap my head around it, like not wanting to win or not really caring. Right. So I think the elephant in the room might be Johnny Goudreau in this conversation. Yeah. Um, he might be like kind of the, the, the top of the list and maybe the players who we think might not want to win as much. Uh, but this is what Johnny had to say. And he kind of went along the similar vein of Lucic, although kind of not as expensive. But anyways, here's what Johnny said. I don't think I have an exact answer. By the way, Johnny, great start to an answer. Uh, I'm not really sure what the answer would be. Again, you followed it up. That's fantastic, Johnny. And the quote continues, at the end of the day, the guys take it to heart. They don't want to lose in the playoffs. We want to go far. We want to win games for this city. Okay, so, uh, Jess, you say, oh, my God. Why don't you pick it up? Where, where, do you, where does your mind go when you listen to that Johnny Goudreau answer? It's just another pucks in deep quote like it's just another like just cookie cutter answer that he's saying that he wants to you know he's telling us what they want to hear but at the same time it's like what do you mean you don't have an exact answer you know what your team has and you know what these other teams have and clearly the motivation and focus is not there right so I forget who said it. I have to give credit to someone on Sportsnet. Um, it was after the Flames game six. And I, I, I think it might have been Kevin Bieksa. But anyways, it was someone on that Sportsnet broadcast. So credit to them. But they were talking about how it seems like Calgary, like they just need to develop that mentality of they hate to lose more than they enjoy to win. You know what I mean? And it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a cliche um, thing to say in sports at this point because we've heard it so often. <clears throat> but, you know, Goudreau, I think – the interesting part about this answer and why I included it is because he says, like he literally says at the end of the day, the guys take it to heart. They don't want to lose. So he's talking about the other teams and how much they don't want to lose. He then shifts his answer to the flames and says, we want to go far. We want to win games for this city. Right. You know, I don't want to, like, I I can't get in this guy's head, obviously. Right. I can't get into Mm. your head. I can't get into anyone else's head. But the fact that, you know, he, he totally recognizes how much the other teams hate to lose and then transitions to the flames and, and, kind of talks about the winning thing i think that kind of justifies you know the, the the comment made on Sportsnet after the game six loss where the flames need to develop that hatred to lose more than mm-hmm. they need to develop you know that uh, desire and enjoyment of winning you know what i mean um and that's a hard thing to do and i think Kudrow, um similar to lucic kind of maybe revealed uh quite a bit with that answer although it didn't start well he says i don't have an exact exact answer i'm not really sure what the answer would be um, he did actually provide, I think, a decent answer. Yeah, I mean, it's just so frustrating because, like, I don't want to hate Johnny Gaudreau. He has enough people that don't like him. But it's things like this that are just, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just – I want him to hate losing. I want him – don't go home and, like, punch a wall, but, like, be upset and have, like, use those losses as motivation. I mean, we always talk about, um, you know, that random Tuesday night in February against the Wild. 
you don't have to be that, um, you know, you don't have to be that upset about a loss like that, but like a playoff loss or a loss against the Oilers, like be upset. Right. And, and have something to show for it. You know, the thing that the Flames have going for them, we've been pretty negative on this answer, but the things that the Flames have going for them is that they have Matthew Kachuk, who is, you know, I think kind of the great example of a player who um, is always just going to compete no matter what, even if things mm-hmm. get hard. And he really just does not want to lose. And, you know, if you listen to Matthew Kachuk, he kind of did a good little couple minute answer on this whole theme of things um when he was on the spitting chicklets podcast back during the all-star break and like keith kachuk uh, obviously matthew's dad was you know explaining how he didn't raise his kids matthew and brady to be um like guys who care about like you know the scoring the goals and and all the winning and all that um as a dad he was more focused on just kind of raising obviously first good people um but then second like people who competed hard and worked hard and Mm -hmm. and did all those things right so um the good thing that calgary has going for them is they have the perfect example or 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 a good like leader in this kind of facet of the game in matthew kachuk and obviously someone who's just going to keep getting better as the years go on so um, while things at least seem negative i don't think all hope might be lost yeah i mean I love Kachuk. That's it. That's really. We need to clone more Kachuks. We need to clone his mentality and and install it into all the other Flames players. Make robots out of this team. Yeah, I think that's really the next option. Like, we don't need to blow up the team. We just need to clone them and turn them into robots. Clone the Kachuk gene. Yes, I love. Okay, we're we're problem solving here. We're not just pointing (laughs) out problems, but now we're actually starting to solve the problems on Locked On Flames. I love it. Uh, Still ahead in the show, Jess and I will take a bit of a break from the Flames. And we'll look at the current playoff series, like the second round still happening and going on. Plus, who is the top Stanley Cup contender in round two? I think it's a bit of a crowded field. Uh, We'll try and pick just one team. First, though, a message from our friends at DoorDash. And Jess, um, I don't know about you. For me right now, today's Tuesday. This is an off day for me. Are you Mm -hmm. working today or are you off today as well? Oh, I am off. You are off. So on an off day, I don't know about you, but this is where DoorDash becomes like my MVP. You know, during the week I'm working, but I'm also cooking and making meals and I'm like, you're busy, right? And Mm -hmm. my philosophy is enjoy your off day by not cooking and just ordering DoorDash. And it doesn't matter if you want Chinese, if you want pizza, uh, maybe just want some frozen yogurt. There's something for everyone at DoorDash. Uh, Just today's your off day as well. What would you be aiming for uh, for a DoorDash delivery if you're going to order some for dinner tonight? Oh, you know... I am a sucker for Chinese food, so, you know, you said that, and I really think that that might be my option for dinner tonight now. That's a good choice, and the best thing about Chinese food is it's a great leftover food as well, so, okay. you know, maybe tomorrow afternoon for some lunch or maybe uh, a quick little breakfast. Uh, trust me, I've been there, Chinese food for breakfast. It's a, it's a It go. sounds crazy, but it's a good way to go. Um, <laughs> Chinese food is a great leftover food for sure. And DoorDash is the nice and convenient app that brings it right to your front door. And, you know, we've, we're kind of joking and having some fun with our off days. But another great thing about DoorDash is you can support those local restaurants in your community who are obviously going through a tough time right now in 2020 as their doors have largely been closed for most of the year. So uh, ordering is nice and easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely, safely outside your door 
with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle or Wendy's or the Cheesecake Factory. Just as a Canadian living in Canada, Chipotle is, you know, it's few and far between. There's a couple of them up here, but not super, uh, it's not super populated. Um, I'm so jealous of the States for your abundance of Chipotle. Oh, I love Chipotle. It's so good. And just like, I don't know, but um, how it is for you guys, but when you order through like a mobile app, you can get three free customizations so you can add extra things for free. Jeez. No, I have not heard of that, but hopefully uh, DoorDash uh, is the place to go for your three extra toppings from Chipotle. And of course, like I mentioned, DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep you and the drivers and delivery drivers safe as well. Uh, so right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked on NHL. That is all one word. That's five dollars off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked on NHL. Don't forget that is code Locked on NHL for five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Don't forget to follow our show's Twitter feed at lo underscore flames. We touched on it. Um, in our previous segment about uh, Dallas being up to nothing. Uh, you know, I, I don't get how they keep doing these weird comebacks. Yeah. It's, well, I think so yesterday they had some help from the officiating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I caught a bit of the game and remember the Lucic penalty in game six, the, the, I guess it was an interference call where he shoved the stars player into the stars goalie. Yes. So, in yesterday's game against the Avalanche, Corey Perry literally slashed um, Frank Hose, the, the Avalanche goalie, like right in the hands, like just slashed him so hard. And the Stars get a power play out of that whole thing because obviously there was a scrum afterwards and all that stuff. And the power play turned into a five on three and then big, big, boom, the comeback is done and the game is tied and then the Stars are obviously up. So, um, you know, Lucic gets called for a, a silly penalty involving a goalie. Um, which, you know, sure, sure, it's a penalty. Like, I'll, I'll give the rest credit there. There was definitely a penalty. But then just a few short days later, Corey Perry, who was, you know, doesn't have the greatest reputation going, slashes a goalie square in the hands from less than a foot away, and there's no penalty at all. And, in fact, the Stars get a power play out of it. So, I mean, it's a little inconsistent would be a way to put it. Um, but it, regardless, surprising that Dallas is up 2 nothing. Yeah, I um, I really haven't been watching – uh, a lot of the Western Conference games because I like to be in bed early and they don't start until like 10 or 10.30 <laughs> my time. Right. But um, it's crazy. Like I'll just be scrolling through Twitter and I'll be seeing people, you know, reacting to the game or, you know, talking about it the next day. And it's like, why? that? Like I did not see Dallas getting really – you know, maybe they could have taken one game, but having a 2-0 lead against, you know, Nathan McKinnon makes you think. Makes you think, yeah. Well, and the thing is McKinnon is, like, it's not like McKinnon's invisible in this series. Mm-hmm. He's been, like, front and center the whole time, and I think he hit at least one post yesterday and was just, like, amazing. Um, he scored yesterday as well. Like, he's he's been amazing, as he has been all playoffs. And, oh, you know, absolutely. he was... 
my favorite thing about McKinnon, and like this is such a 2020 thing, he is the most, I think, gifable hockey player going right mm-hmm. now. Like in terms of, if you look at the NHL, the, like the league itself runs a great Twitter account called NHL Gifts. The, the highest quality and the ones I look forward to most seeing all the time always involve Nathan McKinnon, which is, you know, quite the compliment given Connor McDavid. Like McDavid's just, I think, a little too fast for the gift world. Like I think his feet might move a little too fast, but uh, McKinnon is the best gift NHL player in the history of the league. Now, granted, gifts haven't been around for most of the history of the <laughs> league, but um, it's something special. Yeah, he is just, he's so fun to watch. And I saw people saying, you know, it, how far behind is McKinnon in the greatest hockey player of all time, you know, debate? You know, mm. like, where is he behind McDavid or has he kind of caught up to him? Yeah, it, it seems like he has another gear in the playoffs, like similar to Sam Bennett. Like, mm-hmm. he's obviously fantastic in the regular season, but, you know, maybe it's just me not watching enough Avalanche games, but it feels like in the playoffs, he just takes it to a whole nother level and, and goes crazy. Um, so, you know, who knows uh, how that I, – I think there's still – you know, Colorado's not dead by any means, especially if Nathan McKinnon can go even to another level, which seems impossible at this point. But um, a 2 nothing lead for Dallas is, is quite impressive early on. I think most of the other series are really close. I would say Tampa and mm-hmm. Boston is obviously going to be a super tight series and probably one of the most exciting series uh, to watch in the second round. You would know a lot more than I would be in uh, – a Bruins local and a Bruins fan. Yeah. Um, so how do you think like Boston's up one, nothing right now? Is this, is this kind of one of those series that has game seven written all over yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just something about Tampa that makes the Bruins kind of crumble mm-hmm. um, in typical postseason runs so I don't know if we're going to see that if we're going to see some Swiss cheese defense but I the physicality of the two teams and just like I love it I think it's going to be fantastic and both teams have a really strong offensive presence and it um goaltending is great so it's probably going to go six or seven now, is this also, so we look at the other Eastern Conference series, it's Islanders and Flyers, which isn't like the most attractive matchup uh, on the face of it, at least. But I think Islanders-Flyers will be another, you know, similar to Boston and, and Tampa Bay. It'll be another mm-hmm. super close series. Does it feel like the the Bruins-Lightning series, like to me, from a total outsider's perspective, it feels like those two teams are playing for the Eastern Conference spot in the Stanley Cup. Are, is that me just overlooking the Flyers and the Islanders or... Are you kind of, you know, being someone who's a lot more tuned into that series than I am, uh, are you on the same page as well where it feels like whoever wins between the Bruins and the Lightning is going to be in the Stanley Cup from the east side? Yeah, I definitely think that that will be the case. Um, I really, like, don't see the Islanders and Flyers really, like, doing much of anything. But hopefully, you know, this is Boston's year. Or, you know, I wouldn't hate to see Tampa finally make a run for it, like a real run. But Yeah, I'm okay with Tampa not winning a yeah. cup ever again after 2004. So, um, <laughs> yeah, screw Tampa. They don't need another cup. They won one, like, in the 2000s. They're totally fine. Uh, yeah. The Bruins, like, Lord knows Boston needs another sports title right now. Me too. Uh, it's been too long. It's been too long. Just to quickly round out round two, the only series we have yet to talk about would be Vegas and Vancouver. Um, mm. I think that one's pretty simple. Vancouver, you know, kind of barring some sort of some crazy 
play is is probably going to be largely overwhelmed just by how good Vegas is. So there you go. We've quickly quickly run over all of the round two matchups. Just just one individual team. Who is the cup contender to beat in in kind of this whole final eight teams remaining? Vegas. Mm. I don't know. I just I really oh, I don't know. I I have a lot of faith in them. Yeah, that's. They're too talented. It's not fair. They they're so good for a third. What is it? Their third year in the NHL. Yeah. And they are. They've been to the Cup final once already. It looks like they are on pace to at least uh, be really close to going to a second one. I had color. Like I said, I had Colorado going into this round. I'm going to stick with the Avalanche. Um, you know, especially if they win this series and come back from a two nothing hole. You know, that's kind of one of those like TSN turning points of a playoff run where it's like you know I could see them catapulting themselves from being down to nothing to just destroying the rest of the playoffs if they were able to come back at all and uh, win this series. And, you know, as we just mentioned earlier, you and I are both on the side of kind of the lightning or Bruins, whoever wins that series is going to be in the cup. So um, I think it's going to be, I think we have a high, high, high probability of the conference finals on both sides, the West and the East being um, quite entertaining. So at least it's good for us for, I guess, well, not for you. You're not a neutral observer because you're a Bruins fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's good for me as a neutral observer just to have so many options. It's like being at a buffet again. We've we've, oh, we've forgotten yes. what it's like to be at a buffet with COVID right now, but uh, we have the buffet of, of amazing hockey ahead of us. Absolutely. And um, still to come this week, we'll address the future of someone like Sean Monaghan or Michael Backlund in Calgary. We've talked plenty about Johnny Gaudreau and Jeff Ward that we could make it a drinking game but what about the other core pieces we have lots to get to you can follow us on Twitter at Jessica Belmosto and wow, and at John underscore library be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Flames as soon as it's available each day don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano after Toronto was busy on the trade front moving Kasperi Kapanen back to Pittsburgh earlier today. Mike will break it all down for you tomorrow.